What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Orange Slices and a new season. This is the first episode of season two. It's so good to be back with you. As you can hear, or maybe not hear yet, uh, I'm going solo on this one. Obviously not for the whole episode, but our boy Mark McKenzie is in camp right now, and he's busy, and he's tired because he's traveling a lot, and he's got a lot going on right now as the U.S. gets a step closer to World Cup uh 2022 in qatar so i'm going to give you a little bit of our intro and our outro but mark will be with us for the entire episode as well as our next guest which by the way we were going to hold until next week but we decided to release it this week because uh, it's a little topical matt turner is our guest obviously just made a move to arsenal in the summer well at least the move was announced he'll be moving in the summertime so we figured we should drop this now uh because it's relevant and i think you guys would really uh enjoy uh, having a having a, a listen to to him now. Before we get to him, I want to give a few thoughts on the match last night. Uh, obviously, I thought that the U.S. didn't play particularly well, but Matt Turner, who is our guest, got another shutout, which I believe is like ten shutouts in a row or something insane like that, uh, or from fourteen matches, something wild like that. Is the 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 the, the stats are are crazy, but uh, yeah, I thought the U.S. did what they had to do, and I know that that's been the consistent theme, and that always seems to be the theme in qualifying is they do what you have to do to get results. And I think this team, compared to the 2018 team, didn't do what they had to do. And and this new group, the biggest worry we had, if you go back to the beginning of qualifying, was that they were too young, they lacked experience, they lacked cohesion, they lacked experience on the international stage, not just professional experience, but they've come together over the last two years and put together a pretty incredible record, albeit not playing particularly well at times. They find ways to get the job done. It doesn't matter whether you beat El Salvador at home 3-0, 1-0. I was unsatisfied in the way that they played. I thought the ideas were good. I thought the movement was good from the team. I thought the sharpness was a little bit off, which is to be expected considering the number of these players are either in their midseason training camps, uh, out of season with Major League Soccer, not playing a ton with our, our with uh, their club team. So it was a weird mix of players from different places, all of which kind of hurt us in the end. But we got the result. And that's what matters most. It was great to see fans turn up. It looked freezing out there. Even Christian Pulisic, to me, looked super stiff and almost uncomfortable with whatever those temperatures were. But, you know, I always wonder. And by the way, I want to know from you guys, send us a comment wherever on social media or a comment and wherever you listen to your podcast. What do you think of cold weather matches? Do you think that's actually an advantage or do you think it's just a leveler or do you think it's just a mentality thing? want to know what you guys think about that. So make sure you uh, hit us up on social media or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm at a point uh, personally where I think we don't need to have the cold matches. Now, granted, I I think if you look at the context of the timing of the year, there's very few places that you can play that's not going to be somewhat of a leveler if you were to head south, right? If you were to play in a border state where the weather is more warm and controllable, you're going to run the risk of having a stadium that has an away fan base that could be a large contingent. And I know that's a big factor in it. I don't necessarily think the cold. So if you can't do that, you're going to go into cold. Then, yeah, I guess that there is a, an advantage uh, to staying away from anywhere that could bring uh, away fans that created a home atmosphere uh, for the opponent. So I don't think it's necessarily a mentality. I don't think it's necessarily an advantage for teams to to or for the national team to play in colder weather. I don't think El Salvador looks at it and goes, hey, you know, this is uh, harder for us. It's just that's a mentality thing. In fact, I think the quality of the players that we have were that starts to go down at a certain point. Now, look, if you're playing in the 50s and 40s or whatever, there could be a little bit of some sort of advantage or even 30s. But when you get into those like 20s and the feels like is in like the below freezing temperatures, it's it, it, it I think it loses that advantage and it becomes more of just a uh, a thing that everybody has to deal with. And then 
What suffers is the quality of the game, the sharpness of the passing, the way the ball moves on the pitch and all those types of things. So I'm not a huge fan of it, but um, I don't really get a say in this. They got the result 1-0, and if you, they were, you were to ask them, was it worth it playing in the cold? They're going to say absolutely yes. So uh, let me know what you guys think. Um, but on to uh, Matt Turner. So the Arsenal rumor popped up uh, before, right after we had uh, recorded with him, and uh, we were we were pleasantly surprised. Obviously, looking at the situation now, I'm worried always a little bit about uh, a, another goalkeeper going to Europe and not being a starter, at least in the short term. Unfortunately, he's going in the summertime. That leads up to the World Cup, so I worry about that a little bit. Considering I think Matt Turner is as sharp as he is because he is playing week in and week out, different than Zach Steffen, different type of type of goal, goalkeeper than Zach Steffen. So. Uh, I, I always worry about that a little bit, but I'm super happy that we have another goalkeeper going on their way. In fact, not just him, but Gabriel Slanina, the 17-year-old who's also in camp with the national team, being linked with a big move abroad. Uh, so a number of players kind of on their way out, but I'm happy for for all of them. I just hope that, you know, the U.S. has always had a deep uh, goalkeeper pool. I thought there was a few years here that we didn't have that next generation of goalkeeper. Now it seems like we have those guys starting to emerge. I just hope that we have one player that's our starter in the national team that's also playing for their club team come World Cup time. Although it's not the worst thing in the world, I I, I just would like to see that type um, of game. Now, anyways, on to Matt Turner. I think you guys are really going to like uh, this conversation with him. He's very well-spoken and he's known, uh, which you'll come to find out, as a storyteller. So he's very good at elaborating on things and sharing things and uh, uh, just a great conversation and just a new tone and a new type of person. A great way to kick off our season two. So without further ado, uh, we miss you, Mark McKenzie. Here is our episode with Matt Turner. All right, so let's welcome in our latest guest, our guy, Matt Turner. Matt, what is going on, man? Not too much. Thanks for having me on the show. Been a long time coming. Yeah, we appreciate you joining us. I mean, where are you, where are you at at the moment? How are the January camp vibes coming along? Is there anything to uh, relay to us? You know, this is a secret place. We don't tell anybody anything, but what are the vibes like right now? Yeah, vibes are high. Vibes are immaculate, actually. You know, uh, it's a good group. <laughs> oh, of guys. immaculate vibes! Yeah, wow. Yeah. You know, it's the preseason vibes. You know, we're we're kind of it, it's a little bit different than usual. You know, um, we're working towards a World Cup qualifying window rather rather than just you know that one off friendly where you have three or four weeks to get ready for. Um, this is kind of like a turbo charge for two weeks. Try to see if we can get as fit and as sharp as possible. Uh, you know, with the MLS season ending when it did and and be available for selection in this next window. So uh, it's, a, it's a little different, but it's a good group of guys, like I said, that that all know each other really well. So we get along uh, on the field and off the field and we're working hard together. Can I just point can I just point out, Mark, real quick, Mark, can I just point out real quick? I just want to point out that you're not having immaculate vibes in preseason, are you? Mark, I mean, you're in your training camp. I mean, it, it, you know, I when when he said that, I was like, OK, I know what Mark's going through, and Matt's going through something completely different. If he's on immaculate vibes and in, in, in that preseason feeling right now, listen, I don't know the 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 opposite adjective of immaculate vibes, but yeah, that's yeah, it's not the same. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been um, uh, yeah, not. So you see Matt, he's smiling because he's got the sun bl- blasting in the background. You know, he's got the warm weather. You know, ooh, it drops a little, you know, below mm-hmm. a certain temperature at night mm-hmm. in the morning. Bro, uh, he's got the, the shades same. covered because he's, get, he's getting too much sun, so he's got a shade shot. He's like, ah, oh, midday, midday heat. You know, you can't. Meanwhile, I'm just struggling to get a couple hours of sun, you know. Got rain. Rain is like the constant. And then on the other hand, we, or on the other side of things, we, we step on the field and... We run like track athletes. 
you would swear <laughs> that that we are the next track team. Um, but my fitness is at a, is a real high right now. Um, I think the last time it was this high was probably the last January camp I was at, and that was. <laughs> and the obstacle uh, yeah, courses, the obstacle courses yeah. are out, brother. The, the, yeah, the, are are they are they back? Yeah, yeah, they're back. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. that was yesterday. I'm a goalie, so I don't really got to worry about that. But. Nah, but still, nah. Yeah, when you see when you see still. the mannequins out and the cones and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bro, I'll tell you, I I had one la- I had one January camp where we were doing the fitness to build up into the into the January camp, and the fitness coach. I think I told this to you before, Mark. The fitness coach got it wrong, and so we were supposed to be running. I, I don't know if you guys have ever trained at those uh, those three pitches at uh, Dignity Health that are on like the front at mm-hmm. the entrance. So those three pitches are, it's a certain distance be- around all of them. And we were supposed to be running at the certain pace where we were supposed to do these laps at a certain time. And they got all of the math wrong on this. And we were getting screamed at like faster, faster, bro. And I was like sprinting. It was long distance runs. And I was like sprinting and everybody was like a minute or two minutes off their pace. And we were getting like screamed at only to find out like 20 minutes into it. And all of us are like trying to prove something, you know, run as hard as we can. Like I'm ready to pass out. Some of the guys that are like proper distance runners couldn't do it and only to find out they were like, oh yeah, bring it in, bring it in. Yeah, sorry, we had it all mixed up and guys were like, shot, dude, shot. It was, it was, it was so disappointing for all of us that we were just like, man, like we were getting actually like people go like, pick up the pace, you're behind and you're like, you know, when you fall, when you're in, when you're in national team camp, you're supposed to be fit, whatever, someone's telling you you're a minute off the pace, you know, uh, you're like, man, this it's, is bad. It's different if somebody says you're a few seconds off the pace, but a whole minute yeah. off the pace, you might as well just stop the whole job. Yeah, you if you're a few seconds off the pace, you just cut. You just cut a few corners, and you know what I mean. Like you go a little tight on the corners, and you can make up those few seconds. But you know, a minute was was crazy. So Matt, what, what's um, who do you who do you hang out with in the team? Who who are you around the most? Like who, who's your little little squad? My yeah, well they they change it up. You know, every uh, every camp you have like your own little sort of pod, pod squad. squad. So. Yeah. yeah, so that's who like you travel to and from training with. That's who you eat all your meals with. But I hang out, you know. Right now, it's nice, you know. Dewan Jones is here, and and Sebastian Lejet and Sean Johnson. I'm, I'm I get along really well with. And then you know, Aaron Long, Christian Roldan, Jordan Morris, Walker, probably the guys you'll see me. Oh damn, bro! You don't hang out with any young guys, huh? You don't hang out with it that you get. It sounds guys, like bro. you gotta. Yeah, it's funny because I. I've had this realization. I think it was maybe in the October qualifying window where it's like, I'm old, you know, compared to this <laughs> team. Like I'm 27, but I'm so out of touch with, uh, you know, the, what these younger guys, are. I, and I'm 27 saying these younger guys, but that's how young the team is. Crazy. No, I would say I'm like, I'm 22 and I'm on the, you know, I see some of the young guys. I'm like, dang, you know, like I heard Gio talk and I'm like, <laughs> it's so different. <laughs> so different yeah that's crazy i mean is there uh is there is there any uh like kind of bromances forming that that weren't expected or people that you see that like who's the funny who's the funny guy in camp right now who's somebody that like you know it's a it's a mixed group as you said i mean when you go from summer tournaments to qualifying to now this camp you're going through a lot of different players i mean who's is is there is there a comedian in the camp or or somebody that or or a group of guys that are like forming a bromance that people are like oh man look at these guys go no it's it's funny like it's gonna sound a little bit boring you know interview wise but it's pretty much everybody you would expect like the guys that have been here the longest can sort of get away with a little bit more they um, will joke around a little bit more uh, mess with guys in the locker room a little bit but uh, and then like the new guys 
just every, like every guy coming into the national team, like they're really nervous. They're afraid to sort of let loose. And I feel like that's sort of like the consistent themes, but the guys who are always around, always been there, they, they like to poke around, have a little more fun with it. And, you know, every camp is like this last camp, the December window, we had a lot of guys, a lot of new guys, a lot of young, fresh faces. And so when we had our little, uh, singing, uh, it was quite, it was (laughs) quite the spectacle quite the spectacle so that was that was really funny who, who oh, surprised man. you with the best voice though who surprised you like with the best voice probably uh, we had a couple staff that like just went okay. for it and that was pretty uh pretty impressive uh there were some disappointing performances for sure but i'd say i was i was impressed with gaga gaga Stolonina. he 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 went for it he he went up there he answered his questions well uh, and then, you know, he just sang his song all the way through, you know, didn't need the lyrics or anything, didn't hesitate. And you love to see that. You love to see somebody just put it all out there like that. It's the commitment. The commitment is what exactly. we That's it. That's exactly. It. And I was proud. Of, and I'm going to be biased, you know, being a goalie, him being a goalie. It's a, it's a thing. So I, I, I was I was proud of him. Speaking of goalies, by the way, I, I got to ask this because obviously you're, you're, you're back in Slanina on, on the singing and stepping up and, and obviously you're competing with the first starting spot in, in the national team. But circumstantially, it's just so different for you guys, right? Competing for spots, I think, than field players because there's a, a little bit more flexibility in terms of who's the number one based on circumstances, club, playing time, form, all that stuff that's different than more often than not players on the field. I mean, what's the dynamic of that like for, for you as a goalkeeper? Uh, because, you know, a lot of goalkeepers go through those similar situations where, you know, you're competing for a spot for, with with probably a friend who's not playing as much as you are, but is very good in the national team and is also seen as as, as a top um, top player. I mean, what's the mentality of that like when you're competing for a spot in the national team? Yeah, it's it's just go out there and and control what you can, you know? So I'm going to go out there every day. My situation is that I'm, I'm here playing games, uh, in new England, you know, typically in the season, uh, week in and week out and, uh, you know, just trying to get better. I was a late comer to soccer. So uh, I understand that there's a lot of places that I still have to learn and grow and, and get better at, uh, in saying that, you know, it's, it's nice when you get to compete with a friend because at the end of the day, it allows you to truly want what's best for the team right and greg is that decision maker so if greg believes that zach playing is better for the team gives us a better chance to win a game who am i to really argue like obviously i'll speak my mind and say what i think but who am i to argue really like with what he decides um if he thinks that this is the way forward for soccer in the u.s and this is our best way to get to the world cup and the best way to win i'm happy to be a part of it but i'm i'm not complacent either that comes with uh, okay, well, what do I need to do to be considered more seriously to play and, and all those things. So, um, but having a friend there and having somebody that you want to do well and represent your country well and, and all that is, is really important. And as a goalkeeper, we're the only ones that understand what the other one is going through, in my opinion. So uh, it's really important to be able to rely on the guys that you have around you. So being a good teammate and good fellow goalkeeper is super, super important and something that if I'm the number two or if I'm the number one, I'm going to do the best job I possibly can in that role. 
I, listen, I don't think people, a lot of people understand the mentality you have to have because it's a, it's a balance. You know, you're as a competitor, you want to be playing, right? You want to be on the pitch every minute when you can call for the national team, the opportunities are, you know, every few months, right? And then your World Cup comes around every four years and then you have Gold Cup and you have Nations. So these are only things that come about, you know, every so often, you know, but you talk about leaning on guys around you, you know, and wanting what's best. For the team, you know, that is is tough, you know, for, for a lot of people to understand because it's so many people competing for one and two spots, right? But I think that 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 connection that we have, you know, and that um, brotherhood we always talk about is what will give us that edge, right? You know, as much as I want to be playing, I know that me not putting my best foot forward and not committing and not pushing, you know, to, to play is it's not only going to make, you know, it's going to make me complacent, but it's it's not going to help the guy next to me, right? And and ultimately, we want to have the best team out there. So if you're part of it or if you're not part of it, the only way to, to really, you know, get the best out of anybody is to to continue battling day in and day out, you know, and every opportunity you get at camp. So, yeah, that 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 companionship, that brotherhood that we have is 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 what breeds that healthy competition within the team and, and then pushes us, you know, to be successful, you know, further on. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'd say like, also the understanding that you're part of something that's bigger than just your own personal journey. Like so many journeys come in and intertwine at the same time, like so many different backgrounds, uh, on the field, off the field, um, different cultures with the way the United States is right now. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's so much fun, you know, and, and understanding how to do that. Sometimes I struggle to find the words because I, I don't want to sound like, oh yeah, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to do this. Like I want to compete and I want to do that. But then on the other side, when decisions are made, I don't want to be a distraction either. And I understand that, okay, the decisions made now, my role has been defined as this. How can I do this role to the best of my ability to help me? I feel like this is what has made this new generation bring back all of the things that you're saying. Cause I think some of that was missing for a while in the national team, especially throughout the 2018 cycle. And it's interesting because you're talking about people coming in of different parts of their journey. I mean, you mentioned some of the veterans that you hang out with, veterans in the sense that they're, they're not you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. There's a good chance that one or two of them don't go to a World Cup after playing hugely important and crucial roles in the journey up to the World Cup. That was the story for me. That's the story for a lot of people. And it's interesting to feel like it's hard to explain to people that for for some of them that will go through that, what it's like to be on that journey, but not be at the the end outcome, but you still feel a part of sort of that journey on the way, you know, because like Mark said, there's only a couple spots available for everybody when you get to a World Cup, right? You guys are bringing in 26, 27 into most camps, sometimes more, but a World Cup's 23. And there's going to be guys whose journey ends at that point, but you kind of carry that on. I mean, I don't even know what I'm trying to get at with 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 what I'm saying right now, other than the fact that like there's so many complexities that go into that with people's journeys, that it's 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 remarkable that you're able to put a team on the field, everybody be moving in, in the same direction to get results because everybody's got their own needs and wants and goals and all that has to culminate into sort of a a collective uh, journey to to one qualify for World Cup and then two um, kind of build a World Cup roster. Yeah, I think that's part like the important part of. This last year in 2021, like we had so many games, so many different opportunities to try different people out, different combinations on the field, off the field. Uh, we, we debuted a lot of people. We called so many different players into camps and just getting a real feel for 
the player pool that, you know, that's available. Um, I think that that was truly unique because I think that might've been the most games the national team has ever played in one year. If it's not the most, it's the second or third most, you know? So it's pretty crazy to think about, you know, those journeys, Heath, like you said, um, and how they, they can play such a big role and still feel a part of it, but not actually be a part of it. But I think that that's what has been building uh, here right now. I like that. I like that. Do you, um, what's been sort of, you know, you talked about all the games from 2021 and the matches. I mean, were there any specific highs or lows that you personally went through uh, in 2021? Um, I mean, obviously there's some obvious highs. would love to get those specific ones from you, but also was there any lows that you went through that you kind of had to battle back from or, or any of that? Just kind of give me your overall sort of high, high and low, low of, uh, of last year. Yeah, I'd say um, high, high for sure. Gold cup uh, sort of breaking onto the scene, having a great gold cup, beating Mexico in a final. Um, that's like the obvious high of high. Also, just how the rev season went, like just the way we were able to win pretty much every time we stepped on the field, like just makes everything in life so much better. It makes the sunshine nicer, it makes the grass greener, it makes that coffee just wake you up a little <laughs> bit more. It's just like it's just everything, it just enhances everything. So that was all great. Um, some lows, definitely, obviously, definitely, you know, crashing out of the playoffs at a, in a home game. Um, and penalties in, in a, a moment where I would have loved to have done better, um, but also learned a lot in, in that moment. Um, so that, that was really low. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, finding out that I wasn't playing a few of the World Cup qualifying games, um, that was tough. Losing in Panama was really tough. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's crazy how much now that I'm thinking about it, how many ebbs and flows, particularly in like the second half of the year post Gold Cup, there were um, my club form like dipped a little bit. Once I got uh, benched with the national team, like I started letting in goals that I'm, that were a little more uncharacteristic of me. And I feel like I'm, I'm in a really good place right now, which is which is nice. You know, I've been able to work on things in December and in January so far. Did you know that? You know, did you, were you conscious of your dip in form? Was, you know, was Bruce Arena talking to you about it? Were you aware of it? Or did you, like, did you feel that something was different? Or or were you just off? Or did you only, based on stats, realize that it wasn't as up, up, up to par? No, I think, I think it was a combination of all that. You know, Bruce, he's not really afraid to speak his mind. Um I think there was just one goal that I conceded um, is actually Giassi scored a header on me at New England in a game that we were dominating. And I got a really good piece of it with my hand, but it only went off the post and, and still went in. Uh, it's a save I normally make, but from there, like I just never had time to work on things that I wanted to work on on the training field. So I was getting frustrated and then it seemed like the the things just kept repeating themselves. So then like, I, and then I would get my hand on another one and I, I would just not keep that one out. And um, so I started like getting really frustrated with myself, not only myself, but um, my, you know, my training regime. I wanted to fix things and change things. And you know how, you know how it goes. Like you just want to try to fix everything. So yeah, I was definitely conscious of it, but I think the biggest thing for me to do is just like relax and remember, you know, remember what it means to just have fun and enjoy. Yeah, it's 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 strange how that works because I think I, I went through something similar last year where 
for me, I was I wasn't conscious of I wasn't conscious of of the different form, you know, and I was just playing. Um, well, no, I shouldn't say last. Year. It was it was just this past like August September with the with my with my team, and I went through a period where I just didn't seem to have it. Like I was playing and I was going, and I but but something just felt off, you know, and I couldn't really pinpoint it. And it wasn't until like we came back from the September window, you know, um. We came back off of the Honduras game, and I was like, "Okay, you know, I'm back. You know, I feel, you know, you as a boost of confidence. You know, coming from a game like that with the high emotions, high intensity, all of that. Um, and from there, I was just, I couldn't really pinpoint it. So I had to call my agents, had to call, sat down with the coaches, and yeah, it was just little details because we had been playing months. It was like Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, and in training, you go from region to training for the next match to half training for the day before the match to then game to doing it again and again and again. And you step on the training pitch and you're kind of just fine tuning for the next match. You know, you never really have the chance to to work on those those little details, you know, and I think during the season, those ups and downs can kind of come from that hectic part of it in, in 2021, right? You we were playing matches. I mean, I can only imagine MLS, you know, you guys were um, at the, the, the heaviest part of the year and then you throw a national team windows and then you come back from that and then you, know, you go to Gold Cup, you know, from there. So it's, it, it all it all adds up. But yeah, that mental side of the game, you know, that, that subconscious part of the game, you know, can sometimes be, uh, yeah, you don't really recognize it until, until after the fact, you know, you're like, oh. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. One thing that you mentioned there was like going from national team to club. And I never had experienced that before. And I think that that was part of it because when you play in those national team games, the energy in the crowd, the meaning behind the game, everything is just so high. Like I won a Gold Cup final against Mexico. And then two days later, I played a home game on a Wednesday night pissing rain at Gillette stadium against Nashville. And we tied zero zero, you know? And then yeah. when we beat Hon and same thing, like when we beat Honduras and that game was so emotional, we needed to win. And the response we had was just insane. Like it was, then again, two days later, I was playing uh, for the revs in a midweek game. And it was like balancing those highs and lows, I think really took a toll on me emotionally um, that I, I'd never experienced before. And so I was just sort of in training, like fine tuning things, sort of going through the motions rather than being fully locked in and working on things that I needed to. Um, but it was hard because you're also trying to manage, uh, manage your body from all the travel and everything. So, um, I definitely got tired down the stretch at the, at the end of the year. So, uh, these few weeks have, like I said, have been nice where I can just press the reset button a little bit and, and gear up for what sets up to be a pretty hectic 2022. You know hang what that's on, like? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, Heath. Yeah. As 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 we're all supportership winners here, okay, can we just talk about how difficult it is to maintain that level of form all the way through the year and get into playoffs? And you're like, dang, it's just a one-off game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who's who's done it? Uh, Toronto and maybe Seattle or something like that did it. Um, where they won Supporter Shield and won MLS Cup in the same year. It, it's it's it is really hard. But I, I'll also say is like what happened to Mark to Philly when we went to Philly and to us this past year is like the break from the last game yes. to the first game in the playoffs is ridiculous. 
It is. You guys had like 20 days or something like we that. Had, we had like 23 or 28, whatever it was. However, yeah. anything over three weeks, too much. Yeah. You know, they had. Anything they had over a over, week is crazy. I know, I know. But we knew what, like, in 2020, we knew that when we were going to play Philly, we were like, these guys aren't ready for this because we just yeah. won a game against Montreal, a playoff game in the 90th minute, like the emotions, everyone's high. And we were up to no within 20 minutes. It was like, and it's, you know they weren't they weren't ready to play. The rhythm was gone. Yeah. But we we hadn't played. We hadn't beaten them all season. You know it's because you. It's funny you bring that up because that we knew. Like in the back of my head, I was like, they have the momentum. We can play an inner squad scrimmage. We can play uh you know uh, whatever team our second team. We can play, but it's not going to be the same as having that intensity. You know, going into that match and that 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 span between the last season, the last regular season match, and that first playoff match. That is, it's it's tough to to kind of manage. So yeah, and not for nothing, that last regular season match, you guys did beat us and lift the shield while we were still ah, in the locker yeah, room. Yeah. So that was tough. That, that yeah. was tough to listen to. I will say that. Look, added 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 motivation, you know. So, so for sure, guys, for sure, credit to you yeah. guys, man. That's a weird trophy, by the way. Didn't realize how weird that trophy is. <laughs> Man, I think we were talking. We were talking about. It. I think it was the last game we were talking about. Uh, yeah, Pasquale. The, the, ins, the ins and outs of the supporter shield is very interesting. I never knew a lot of things about it. Mark, didn't you guys not have the actual supporter shield when you won it though? No, Did, wasn't didn't. it wasn't physically there, right? You had somebody made one like out of right. out it of something in, that you guys had. It was in like I think it was in New York or it was in DC or something. <laughs> I remember the pictures. Forgot, it was like a big shiny it. different different one. No, you know what it was? It was a it was so they had um Fans have to give it to fans. And that's why it didn't get to us because I think somebody forgot to hand it off or somebody didn't make the handoff in time. And yeah. And then they ended up having to contact somebody at the front office who knew uh, somebody who had a replica Captain America shield from <laughs> and they shot the movie. And then they had to cover it in plastic. And they oh, put the, so it was freaking ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Everybody, you know, we, we're all sitting there standing. And you see them walking over and you're like, what the heck is that? Because it's, it's not shining the same way. They have like straps on the inside. They're holding it like a shield, you know, like, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was quite, quite, quite a, quite a day. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, so I, just the one thing that, so I love like the um, culture behind the supporter shield in terms of like that it was created by the supporters and it's now like an official trophy recognized by the league. The one thing I will miss is not like, having something physically earned like in our trophy case at our mm-hmm. rep training facility like that would be nice if they could like at least make a replica that you know the winners at the time right. can then put in their trophy case because i mean i think that's a big like that trophy is a big deal you know but it's an achievement and you go to ccl and all that so i don't know that's good that, that can be dealt with with the supporter yeah. shield foundation and i don't know if my opinion really counts in there <laughs> look man hey listen i'm with you man it's a year it's a yeah. year's worth of hard work man and, and you know not everybody just gets it you know you, you yeah. come out you know, on top so yeah it's not it's not easy so I, i'm with you on that thing. for sure having, having a little piece of uh silverware to, to put you know to keep home you know so, Nah, man i'm saying no for that <laughs> they had that in, they had that imbalanced schedule this year bruce talked about it you know, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I get that. I get that. But you can only, you can only deal with what you're dealing with. You know, I think Bruce was just yeah. trying to downplay it. Like he tries to downplay everything, you know? 
Yeah, I think that was, I mean, that was a clever play going into the playoffs for him to, to, to downplay it for sure because you guys had to go through – you guys had to go through a lot, man. I mean, it's crazy. We talk about this a lot with, with uh, when some of like the analysis or analyst work that I do where you have COVID, you have – like the Premier League right now, you have COVID situations that are delaying games, postponing games. You've got busy time of the year. You've got these rotated squads who can play, who can't play. And you're like constantly saying like, well, they got – Manchester United hasn't played in 19 days. And you're like, that, well, that's not good either. You know, like, you know, well, they got a new manager. That's more time on the training pitch. I was like, yeah, but that's not what the players want. They don't want 19 days with a new manager on the training pitch. You know, they want to play games. They want to do whatever. And like, you're kind of caught between this whole like, oh, rest is important this time of year because they're playing so many games. But on the other hand, you don't want that much rest because players get out of form and the whole uh, whatever it is, the... Um, periodization of a week for players to be at their peak on match day and all that stuff is really complicated. And it's hard to say like what the best sort of setup uh, for that is only to say that I know that having 20 plus days between games is not a good thing. Definitely no matter which not. way you look at it. Yeah, look, definitely not. Look, unless it's the, unless it's the off season, man, it's holiday, you know, 20 days off is not ideal. So mm-hmm. Yeah, when well, you twenty um, days, you need twenty days, and then come back into a preseason, not twenty yeah. days into the most important game, most important game of your season. Exactly. Ha- have either of you guys, and 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 maybe maybe you're not aware of it, or maybe you don't want it hasn't happened or answered it, but have either of you guys sort of felt, you know, Matt, you talked about when you went back and you were kind of going through the motions. Do you think some of that is sort of ego to know that like, man, there's something. It's like flying business class, right? When you go back to flying economy, you go, wait, you're telling me that way up there, they sit like that and they get to recline and they get to sleep and they get champagne and they get all these things. And now I'm back. Like, it's like, it's hard. I guess what I'm saying is it's supernatural for your ego to come into play and be like, man, there's something better. And now I'm back in this situation. And, and I know the revs, like, like many clubs have their own challenges whether it's like you come from this atmosphere and it's a different atmosphere when you go back to your club team especially midweek or you know you come back playing at this level where the intensity and the speed of the game is like this and you go back to your club and it's something different and that's almost every level compared to the international level right I mean do you think some of that is ego that you have to go through I mean what do you think sort of spurs that emotion for either of you that you have that sort of check in your mind where you kind of just feel tired or exhausted or like almost like oh man I gotta do this again yeah I, I don't think it's that Personally, I, I think for me, like I, it, it took a lot of like reflection to sort of figure out what I thought might have been the issue. And it was, it was balancing highs and lows. It was like, it was like, emo- it was like an emotional drainage. I don't think it was like an ego thing. It wasn't like, oh, like, yeah, there's something so much better out there and I'm stuck doing this. It's like, definitely not. You know, I understood how important things were uh, that I was doing day in, day out with the revs and I was trying my best, but, you know, physically, you know, dude, I, I don't even take naps every day. I was taking a nap. Like I was so exhausted and, and, you know, then you're looking forward and you have another three game window coming up and you got to think about that as well as the games you're playing and trying to periodize for that. It's really challenging. So, um, I think I was just, uh, I had put so much emotion into some of the games and, and gone through some stuff on the personal side as well, uh, among all that. Uh, which was really challenging for me and my girlfriend. And, uh, and so, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a combination of a lot of things. I think I was just a little bit emotionally drained. And then I want to put so much into those games with the national team. And then, you know, the quick turnarounds made it hard for me to get back up, um, to get to the energy and that, 
same emotional level for some of the Revs games, uh, particularly right after the international breaks. Mark, for you, you know, did you have a similar experience before? Because, you know, I'm thinking about your natural thing when you're an athlete is is to just go harder, right? When you feel like you need to go to the next level, it's to go harder, right? It's more time on the... It, nobody, nobody writes the story about the guy who took a day off because he, because he, because he needed it. You know, they they do it because like, oh, you know, he finished the game and he was shooting free throws because he missed three, and and you know, like that was in the news two weeks ago, where it's like missed three free throws, so he sat after the match when the when the arena was empty just to shoot free throws, and that's not always that's part of it. But I mean, how important is it, or or do you have you even figured out how to balance that with? also knowing that your mind needs a break or your body needs a break or, and that's just as important as like knowing like, okay, maybe I'm playing right now. Maybe I'm not, I need more time on the pitch, but maybe that's not what's best for you. Yeah. I think, um, similar to, to what Matt was saying, I think the emotional drainage of the year kind of weighed on me a bit and I didn't realize it until after the year was over or after I got back home, you know, for the holiday and I was able to kind of sit back and unwind a little bit. Um, When you, for me personally, it was going through coming into national team camps and then coming back to the club and at the club, at the level, club level, I wasn't really playing consistently and I was frustrated, you know, but I also knew I needed to work on my game. Um, Also in the back of my head, every time I put on the national team jersey, I'm like, listen, you know, these same things that you can get away with at the club level, you can't get away with it, you know, at the, the national team level, you get punished for it, you know, you, you're you on the spotlight now, and, and there's a lot of other things that play a role, you know, so so all these things going through my head, you know, and trying to, to balance that, I think, became difficult, you know, at a point, and then I think it wasn't until probably, as of November windows, when I really probably, like, it, it all came to, to a head, and I was like, okay, I understand what I'm going through, I understand what I'm dealing with, you know, I understand how to manage the travel between, you know, because it's seven and a half hours to the East Coast and then wherever we have to travel and, you know, for, for national team matches. Then you have to travel back to, to Belgium. Then, you know, concerning myself over if I'm going to play this next match, what do I need to work on to get back on the pitch? You know, what do I, what, what video do I need to analyze? You know, but also knowing that me spending, you know, 30 minutes striking balls on my left foot, I'm in the, you know, injuring my hip or my groin or my lower back, you know. So is that really going to benefit me? And is me overwatching film going to going to help me either? You know, if I dissect my game too much, I'm already uh, 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 hypercritical, you know, of my game, you know, as it is. So sitting with the coaches, you know, an extra 45, 50 minutes after I've already sat with them, you know, earlier in the week for an hour, you know, is that going to help me? You know, so finding that balance, I think, really didn't happen until after we came back from November, the November window. And then from there, it was like, all right, this is this is what I need to prioritize. You know, I need to to focus on this. I need to, you know, really dissect this aspect of my game, but this aspect here, not so much. You know, uh, so uh, it's cliche, but it's it's something that is is it's a lot harder to do sometimes. You know, when you're in the flow, you know, and, and you're really trying to 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 find some peace of of uh, yeah, some peace of mind in in the midst of all the the hectic chaos going on. So. I think that's one of the benefits of of being domestic at certain parts of your your career versus being uh, abroad, at least for my experience. And it's different now, right? Like when I when I when I was going through those tough times, and I was in uh, Denmark, Germany, or Sweden, or whatever, and 
I felt very alone, right? I, I felt like, okay, I need to be out on the field, but I also need to have a social life. I need to also kind of live a normal life here. And it was a lot harder to communicate back home. Well, not super hard, but like in terms of being able to text and call very easily, it wasn't, it wasn't the same then. And I just remember thinking like, well, even if I did have access to family, like they're just going to ask me more questions that might stress me out even more about because they care and they just want to know more. And you're like, man, I spend my whole life in this. Like I'm coming to you to not do this, but I know you're just trying to figure out a way to help. And all of that just becomes pretty overwhelming. And, and I don't think people always uh, from the outside looking in understand all the complexities of all of that of being, we're, we're very privileged, right? The life that we get to lead and the opportunities that we get as athletes, but there's still a lot of this mental and emotional um, roller coasters and, and, and baggage that come with, with, with this to balance becoming a top level athlete and then sustaining as a top level athlete as you go through all of these, you know, types of uh, kind of ebb, ebb and flow of your, your career. And uh, I guess to, to transition that, that conversation, Matt, for you, uh, this, this is coming out in, in a few weeks, but the, the Super Draft obviously just happened. You went undrafted in 2016. Uh, what was that experience like in terms of a motivator for you to know that was your sort of, I'm sure there was plenty of adversity you'd gone through probably at a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a person as well as an athlete leading up to that point. But how much was that of that was a motivator towards you take, you know, taking control of what you could to kind of take your, your career or make sure that you got to where you wanted to go? Um, you know, Jimmy Conrad obviously tweeted about, you know, he went to a World Cup after being undrafted and it was a big moment like that. And so, I mean, what was, what was that moment like for you and, and how has it sort of sort of shaped where you've gone with your career? I definitely took note of, of, you know, keepers that were picked and, uh, guys that I played against in college or, or watched play really, because at Fairfield, we didn't really play many teams that, uh, that got guys drafted. So I definitely took note of, of a few things, but, uh, overall, I think the, the way that shaped me is that mentally right now I'm playing with house money, you know, like, I have like this underdog mentality and I've always had it. So like to be here at this level, um, I got nothing to lose. You know, no one ever, obviously no one ever thought that I could reach the level that I'm at right now. So um, what else to do except just keep, keep on keeping on and play free, play and have fun. And uh, obviously I have my own personal expectations and critiques of myself and things that I can expect of myself. But from the outside, I don't feel, uh, I don't feel pressure to do certain things. You know, I just, I go out there and I have fun and I express myself and, and, uh, yeah, being undrafted, it, it's fun. You know, it's, it's just like a little box to tick. What goalies got drafted that year? Uh, uh I think it's like the Andrew Tarbell year, you know, um, okay. he was the, he was like the big prospect coming out and he had, a, he had a, he's had a solid MLS career as well. I think he's in Austin now. Yeah. I think he, he was like the big name. He was like, he was like the guy that when I was in my classes in college, I was, I was like, all right, like, let's see how, where did he go to school again? Did he go to Clemson? I think he went to Clemson, but I'm not positive. Something like that. I'd always watch like their college doctor highlights, see, you know, the saves and what he was doing and, 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 and a bunch of different, and a bunch of different guys. But I, I definitely, I always thought of myself as a see it to believe it type of person. So I was really frustrated. I knew I wasn't going to get drafted once I didn't get selected to go to the MLS combine, which I thought I deserved. Um, that was hard for me. Yeah. 
So were you, on like draft day, you were already sort of not expecting to be to be picked up at that point. Correct. I still watched the draft and and hoped for the best, but at that point, like knowing my background, knowing I didn't really have many connections um, or any leads, really, the only place that I had gone on one of those, you know, those college trials was actually Philadelphia, and uh, they had like games going on on their outside practice fields and they had games going on inside with where Jim Curtin was watching the games and I didn't even get a single game on the on the stadium field. I played all my games outside. Oh, dude. You should have you should have put a put a call in for, to Mark McKenzie back then. I mean, imagine imagine having his spoiled uh, journey that he's had, you know, like raised in a system, straight into the first team, you know, maybe a little Bethlehem in there, but like, you know, straight to the top. I played against Bethlehem. Richmond Richmond kickers. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Bruh, listen, 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 listen. All right. I was this scrawny little kid, you know, coming through the academy. You know, I was, I didn't even want to be a defender. You know, I wasn't even a center back coming to the academy. So I don't know if I had the pull, you know, you, you probably, I think Jim probably, had, did Jim have long hair back when, when? I never saw him, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I literally I, never saw that guy. But Matt, hang on, I have a question. If you could give any player who had gone undrafted some advice, what would you give what, what advice would you give them? Because, you know, it's uh it can be debilitating when you're not called on, right? When you when you dream of something and, and it doesn't happen, you know, but, but what advice would you give them? I'd say like the biggest thing that helped me was uh the ability to be a sponge, be willing to learn. Um when I finally did get an opportunity, which happened to be with the revolution, um, I went there with not expecting like, okay, I'm going to crack into the first team right now. And, you know, that's the way it should be. And I think I'm so much better than these guys. Like, no, like I went in there with the mentality of, okay, I'm going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to show these coaches that I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to try to put what they're teaching me into effect uh, in game situations. And I'm going to do as I'm told. And, you know, everybody, wherever their story is, it comes to like a point where you're going to have games in your career where it's like, okay, this is a game where I need to make a a statement. I need to make a point. For me, it was my first ever game I got in the USL with the Richmond Kickers. I got sent on loan last minute. had one training session with this team of guys I'd never met before in my life. And I had to play against Toronto 2 the next day. And uh, that game was like a, a game where I hadn't played in a in a competitive match since I signed in March of 2016. I hadn't played in a competitive match since October of 2015. I just had you know five, six, however many months because I don't think I debuted until May or maybe April, whatever. It's still a long time, and just being ready for those moments uh, when they come. So be willing to learn, do as you're told, you know and make the most of those opportunities uh, that that's the way like there's always going to be that one moment and can you build those moments and show up in those moments and continue to build on them and that that'll help you grow uh, as a player i like that answer i have a follow-up question for that before we before we uh wrap things up with some rapid fire for you and get you on your way when you when, when that moment came I mean, were you hyping yourself up in that moment to say this is the one or was it more of like you all of the preparation up to that point made you confident and ready to just go out and do the job you needed to do? I mean, because I feel like 
those two things sometimes get lost in translation into being the same thing of like, you know, the, you know, the Eminem song is on and you're like kind of programming yourself to like, uh, you know, deliver on this thing as opposed to saying, no, all the work happens to get you ready for that moment. You go out there and do the thing that you know how to do because you've prepped for it versus like, you know, you in the locker room with your headphones on going like, this is going to change my life and I got to deliver and I got to over deliver on this team and blah, blah, blah. I mean, how much, how much of, I guess, guess either of those was it for you? I think like, I don't know if you're going to love this answer, but I think it's like a 50, 50 because there are special moments that I don't love that answer. I don't know. I don't (laughs) love it, but go ahead. I knew you weren't going to love it, but like that you need to just bring, like, even no matter how much preparation you need to bring that added extra, just something to just show who you are. Um, and that could be in anything. It just it doesn't have to just be soccer, but yeah, I think, I think it's a combination of both like understanding that I've learned a lot and that I've been training at a really high level. Um, but at the same time leading up to that game, I actually wasn't, I wasn't fully training. Like I was doing the goalkeeping portions of sessions with the revs. And then whenever the goalies integrated with the rest of the team to do small sided or 11 v 11, whatever it was, my goalkeeper coach would pull me off to the side and just run me through more technique drills, more, uh, fitness drills, more, more touches on the ball, my feet, just run me into the ground. It got to, I was so like physically and mentally like challenging um that i would almost hope that the revs like would like release me i was like i can't work with this guy anymore um yeah, I was so like, you I were off to the level. side like, hey, while everybody guy. else was competing you'd be off to the side doing individual work with with a coach exactly and then wow. i turn around and have to play a game so it's like yeah i'm doing all this work but i'm not really seeing the game so i kind of have to find this within myself to 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 get up for this moment and just it, just try to relax get up but also relax have fun, but also take it really seriously. You know, it's like all these different <laughs> yeah. things. Um, and I think it was the day or two days after views dropped. So I was listening oh, to a lot man. of Drake. I actually like that 50-50 answer now that you explained it into the context of, of the situation you're in. Now it makes it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. You feel better, Heath? Yeah, I feel a lot. I feel a lot better because you know. It, I mean, it's kind of like you know, it's like a little bit of salt and a little bit of pepper type of thing. Where I'm like, no, man, you give me something, you know. But it makes sense. I don't want salt or like, I don't want. Yeah, yeah. yeah like uh, you, 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 I, I could see how it's not like it was the perfect environment for you to be ready, where you're getting in game environments and then you get your chance and you go. Like you had to be able to hype yourself up because you weren't in that environment to be able to be at like sort of peak preparation meets training right. meets all that other stuff. So I. I appreciate I appreciate the context around it. You won me over. I'm a big I'm a big I'm a big contact context guy. They call me story time turner. I, I love a good story. I, and I always feel like telling a story, you know, you need the context. You need so it's never just like a, oh, this happened. It's like a well, it started with this and this and this. That's how I tell stories. Give it us a story. Well rounded. It makes it more well rounded. That's what it does. Well, Mark, Mark, Mark has sat at a table with me. He's been in my pod squad. He's listened hey. to many stories. I have. I have. And they're yeah. great stories. I won't lie. Matt is a great storyteller, by the way. So if anybody needs a story or wants to talk, Matt will yeah. he will make you feel like Hit you're actually up. in the situation. He he'll make you feel like you're actually in the situation. <laughs> yeah. 
like that. I like that. I don't think we have uh, enough. Well, I don't think we have enough time for one of my stories right now. That's fair. Mark's well, next, listen. <laughs> next time, I know, I know. Next time we get you on, though, we'll, we're, uh, we're going to have to get a story out of you, like your your first cap or something, and you're going to have to walk us okay. through like the details of the day. You know, like you know how everything's trending on TikTok right now of like day in life of a footballer, and it's like, ah, I yeah, start with practice right. and like uh, not that, but I need the context. You know, first I need the long version you. of that. First off, those videos are so fake because I can tell you so now. Fake. What they're eating for breakfast, that is not... Some of these guys are eating, no. like... Uh, never mind. We'll save it for another Fold, time. Folding we'll their blankets. I've seen some of those. Yeah. 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 Big no, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. I get up and I do 45 minutes of yoga and breath work. You're like, no, dude. You wake up after your alarm clock. You're on a rush. <laughs> so you don't get fine to training. You're, you're grabbing, like... Uh, you're not even uh, brushing your teeth sometimes. I know yeah, you're not even brushing yeah. your teeth sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You are r- running out the door and you're not dressed like that for sure. You got your janky sweatpants on because you're running late, you know, and, and, and all that. Like, don't, don't make it seem like you got this, like, you know, um, I, get up, an day hour. Planned out. I yeah. get up an hour before my alarm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Mark. So hey, let's, let's hit them with your rapid fires. We've added a few for this, uh, for this season as, 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 uh, as we continue to kind of create more rapid fires for you. So I'll let Mark take it away for this one. All right. All right. Nothing crazy. Just off the top of the head. Quick answer. Uh, what was the first kit you owned? Arsenal. Your favorite UN's men's national team player of all time. Also a great choice in the kit. Tim yeah. Howard. Uh, what was the last movie that you watched in full? Uh, Runner Runner. Uh, your favorite video game if, if you're a gamer? Fortnite. Uh, do you put pineapple on pizza? No. Okay. Um, and we got a, a running Spotify playlist. All our guests are throwing on a track. Don't even worry about what your song is. What are you throwing on here? Uh, bro, give me that Drake song that they give me that Drake song that or the, some from the album of when you were getting hyped up. <laughs> yeah. Um, with you by Drake. Ah. Yeah. By the way, that's a great track. Okay, so if anybody is looking for a nostalgic Drake song, go on with you, please. Mark, what are you listening to, by the way? Give me a song. What am I listening to? You're oh, out there man. in no man's land right now. In, in like, uh, you're, in, you're like in the running club now, so you've you got to have something to, to put into the, into the years when you're running. Um, if I'm running, bro, I'm just trying to keep my mind off of uh, not passing out. So probably like... Uh, I had on Escape Plan by 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 Travis, um, and I had on the new Gunna as well. Listen to that album. So um, I think, uh, yeah, I think the, the, those are the two. Uh, Gunna is just uh, his album, his last album is what I've been playing a lot. So you can throw that on there. Yes, I would. I like it. I just keep seeing people screenshot it and post it, and I haven't listened <laughs> yeah. to any of it. But I'm just like, I'm that's gonna, why. I'm that's going why to. I said I think it's good because I've seen <laughs> the same thing. Everyone must <laughs> listen. Listen, I'm a I'm a critic. I'm a music critic. So you know, DS Forever is the the album name. I'm giving him promo. Jeez. Um, but yeah, give me give me another couple of weeks, and I, I Matt. By the time you come back on, I have an in depth review of the album. Remember yeah. asking about yeah, that. We're gonna have to start doing reviews. I like <laughs> that. Well, appreciate you coming on, Matt. I know you got a lot going on, busy schedule, because you know Mark's told us enough, and I know Greg enough to know that you don't get a lot of downtime. So the fact that you've given us uh, a few minutes of yours, we really appreciate it, and obviously wishing you all the best. Hopefully, we'll see you and Mark together again very soon. 
uh, and and we wish you you know success through the rest of this year and uh, and uh, you know let's keep it going, baby. Let's keep it going. Yeah, let's keep it going. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure. Appreciate you, Maddie. Appreciate you, man. All right, so that is it. Uh, normally, this is the part of the uh, of the match or the episode where we say good game to each other with Mark and I. But Mark's not with me today because the man is busy, and I don't blame him. He's locked in to qualifying for a World Cup and getting his starting spot in his club team. So all of that combined, we're giving him a little bit of a breather. We plan to have a whole bunch of episodes. We are still fully committed to this podcast. And we appreciate all of you guys listening in. But good game, Mark. Uh, good game, U.S. Men's National Team. And good game, Matt Turner, for another shutout. And uh, thanks for joining us on this podcast. You were such a great uh, part of, of our podcast. And uh, we'd love to get him in uh, ever so often. It's funny. I feel like we're making these podcasts short enough to where even myself and Mark, we go, man, we got to get that guy back on. And there's been very few guests that we've had so far uh, or friends or teammates that we've had so far that we don't go, oh, season two is just another catch up with him because we're not sort of covering everything. We're covering topical things, but it's more of a hangout session. And that's what's made this podcast so fun. So he's another guy that you get on. And, and then when he goes off, you go, man, I, I really wish we could uh, get him on again. Not really wish, but we should definitely get him on again regularly. You know, there's been a number of these national team players um, that we 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 want to get back on. So we plan to have them on season two as well as new guests, uh, including women's national teams. Uh, we want to get more uh, more players from around the world. We want to have more stories connected to the U.S. men's national team, historical things, people's perspectives from the outside looking in, as well as the women's national team, and all kinds of other guests for season two. And we're really excited to bring it to you guys. So until next time, thank you so much to our whole OS team, Matt Flores, Chris Bonello, uh, our producers for the podcast. We appreciate you guys putting these things together, especially in a timely manner, knowing that you had a week to get this done, but instead we're getting it up today so people can hear and listen to and get a little bit more perspective on Matt Turner. So until next time, we will see you guys soon.